I thought, uh, I thought as we talked about Christmas starting today, that we'd start talking about what Christmas really means. Think about broken relationships. Think about how, in our world, how many broken relationships there are. We have broken relationships in families. We have broken relationships among other people. We have broken relationships with us and God. Everything has been broken. And I think this drives at the heart of God more than anything else. Because God expresses himself in relationship. He, he expresses himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he expresses himself in relationship. And that's what, what's broken, is our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. We can, we can see, if we look at our world today, all we see is brokenness. All we see. And we can actually pinpoint when it started. It's actually fairly simple to find. It's in Genesis chapter 3. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, we're going to pick up and see what happened. See what happened to the world that we live in that's so broken. And it begins right here. So, <clears throat> to set the stage, you may know this story, but Adam and Eve are in the garden. And they walk with God in the cool of the evening. They have a perfect relationship with God, and they have a perfect relationship with each other. And then, what happens? They choose sin. They choose sin. And so, God immediately pronounces his judgment. And we're going to pick up in, in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and, your, and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I, sh I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. You shall des your desire shall be for your husband." and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So we see what God pronounces here. We see broken relationships. 
the first broken relationship we see is the relationship between God and mankind. Adam and Eve have broken the relationship with God. And so that now has to be healed. We now have a broken relationship between God and mankind, Adam and Eve. Then we can also see that it breaks the relationship with Adam and Eve. What does Adam say when God says, why did you eat this fruit? That woman that you gave me, right? He blames her and God. What does Eve say? The serpent, right? She blames the serpent. We got blame going everywhere. Nobody's saying, I sinned. Nobody's confessing. Nobody's repenting. Nobody's looking for reconciliation. All they're doing is, is blaming. It's, and, and so they, they break the relationship with God and they hide in the garden, which is kind of funny, right? Trying to hide from God. It's sort of comical, except we still do it. We still try and hide from God. We still try, if we do something wrong, we try and hide it from God and everybody else. We don't, we don't run to confession. We don't run to repentance. We run to hide. It still happens. From this point on, this relationship with God is broken, and this relationship between man and wife is broken. From this point. So God pronounces his judgment. He curses the serpent, and he curses the ground. But I want you to notice that he doesn't curse Adam and Eve. Why? Because they curse themselves. They curse themselves. They brought on themselves, by choosing sin, they brought on themselves the curse of sin. So he doesn't have to curse them. They curse themselves. And so he, he talks about how the woman will, will, will bear children in pain. He talks about the man who, who will work in pain. See, all of this gets broken because they chose this fruit. Now, back up just a minute and consider. They have the perfect relationship with God. He walks with them in the cool of the garden every day. They have the perfect place to live. They have the perfect relationship with each other. And what do they do? Sin. They choose the fruit. Now, <clears throat> this is the fruit of the tree of good and evil. And we often think about this in terms of, of, of a moral choice between good and evil. But why wouldn't God want us to know that? He wants us to know good and evil. He spends the rest of Scripture telling us what it is. This is, this is good and evil in the sense of, of I want to choose what I desire versus what God desires. This is good and evil like profitable for me. I now want to make the decision on what is, what is good for me and what's not good for me. So from this point on, selfishness comes in. And I think this is the original sin, selfishness. Because I think from this point, we understand everything from the viewpoint of how it affects us. We look at the entire world at how, how, what it, how does this affect me. We look at a selfish viewpoint. And we see that selfishness destroying relationships everywhere. All over the world, families, churches, workplaces, you name it, selfishness still breaks it. I think this is the original sin. They wanted to choose what was good for them and not good for them rather than God showing them what's right and what's wrong. So 
we have selfishness come in, and every relationship is broken. And I want you to consider, when, when God can, created the world, he made it where we use things and love people. That's how he set the world up. But what, what did Adam and Eve do? They chose the fruit over their relationship with God. They knew it was going to destroy their, their relationship with God. God told them not to do it. So now the world is we use people and we love things. And that's what we see playing out today. That's, that's the, the, the whole problem. And maybe at Christmas time, it's worse than ever. As I can tell you as a pastor, this is, uh, this is 100% of a pastor's work is healing relationships between people and between people and God. It's 100% of my job. And so we have, to re- we have to reconcile this and get it back to where we love people and use things. But probably at this time of year the most, we use people because we love things. And that's, that's where we're stuck. So, so God knows that this relationship has to be healed. He knows that selfishness is going to reign. And so that even the husband and wife relationship will be difficult. It will be tough. Adam and Eve, uh, again, remember, now Adam is saying, that woman that you gave me, it's her fault and it's God's fault. It, he's not saying, I did it. He's saying, she did it and you gave me her. So it's your fault and her fault. <laughs> Sorry, I'll point up. <laughs> so, so God says this: there's going to be uh, a problem in the in the marriage relationship. He he says that your that Eve's desire, the woman's desire for her husband. Now, this isn't a sexual desire. This, this word's only used a couple of places in the Bible, this Hebrew word. And it, the next time it's used, it's, it talks about Cain desiring the relationship that Abel has with God. Now, you remember how that comes out? So this is, this is the idea of, of a, the woman wanting to be the head of the family, even though God placed the man at the, as the head of the family. This is desiring his position in the family. And this, and so you have this this power struggle in marriage all the time, because th- th- she is she has been cursed by her sin to desire the husband's place in the family, and he has been cursed by sin to try and rule over his wife instead of leading her by serving her. So the the marriage relationship is broken. Our relationship with God is broken. Our relationship among, uh, among husband and wife, the, the primary relationship, the first one God made, broken. But God has a plan. And he says in verse 15, He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So he has a plan to put enmity between mankind and the serpent. He has a plan that, that, will take, that will take a Savior. This is the f- literally the first announcement Christmas is coming. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, tells us Christmas is coming. That's why I decided to preach it on the first day of <laughs> first Sunday of December, because Christmas is coming. And that's what God says in Genesis 3.15. He says that, that, that the woman will have an offspring that will crush the head of the serpent. Now, notice that it's not their child, it's her child. Why is that? Well, Romans 5, 6, and 7, if you want to read those, those chapters, Paul really describes how we have a sin nature, how we are born with a sin nature a nature so bent towards sin that sin is inevitable. And that's, that nature is passed down by the man. And so this Savior has to be born of a virgin. Has to be, so that it doesn't inherit a sin nature from the man. So it won't be Adam's son, it will be Eve's son. And, the, and now we know why it has to be a virgin birth, at the beginning of the Christmas story. So let's jump forward to the Christmas story. Let's jump forward to Luke. In Luke, the first, the first chapter of Luke tells us that, that an angel comes to Mary, who is a virgin, and says that she will give birth to, to the child of God. She will give birth to the Savior. And then in chapter 2, we have the Christmas story. You've heard it a hundred times, but I'm going to read it for you again, and it will be up here behind me, because it's important to understand it in the context of Genesis 3. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it is up here behind me. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Notice what the angels proclaim. Peace and goodwill toward men. Now, this isn't the absence of conflict peace. This is a wholeness, a wellness, a completeness peace. This is reconciliation of all relationships. This is how we reconcile with God. This is how we reconcile with one another. This is reconciliation written large for all who will believe. They pronounce peace. The birth of this child, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, He brings us reconciliation with God and reconciliation with one another. That's what peace is about. That's what goodwill toward men is about. That's what's proclaimed by these angels. So the problem that started in Genesis chapter 3 gets healed on that first Christmas. The first announcement of Christmas being Genesis 3.15, now it's here. It's here. The Lord has come. The Savior has come. The one that will 
crush the head of the serpent, has come. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a substitutionary death for you and I, rose again on the third day and is reigning in, in heaven today. Our Lord. All starts in Genesis 3. It all starts with broken relationships. So we know what these broken relationships look like. We can watch the news. We can see it. We, can, we know ourselves the temptation to love things and use people. We know that we have brokenness. But Jesus came on that first Christmas to heal us to heal our relationship with God, to heal our relationship with one another. Will you have reconciliation? Will you have healing? Will you have peace and goodwill toward man? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. There's no more important question in this season than knowing that Jesus was born for you. He lived for you. He died for you. He came to reconcile you to God and you to one another to give you peace and goodwill. Do you know Him as your Lord, your Savior, your Messiah? Do you know that He was born for you? Because you can this morning. It's a simple prayer, a simple prayer that says, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong, thought things wrong. I've said things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. I trust that Jesus came on that first Christmas for me and that he lived a sinless life and died a substitutionary death on the cross for me. And so I ask you to forgive me for my sin, not because of anything I can do, but because of his finished work on the cross. And I ask you to come into my life, empower me to live, empower me to reconcile. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. If you know Christ this morning, will you commit right now to making this Christmas about Him, about loving people and using things and not getting that in reverse, about reconciliation with anyone who, who you have enmity with? That's why Jesus came. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you that we can see why you had to come. And we thank you that you have come and given us the possibility of peace, the possibility of reconciliation, the possibility of relationship with you and with others. We thank you. We ask that you help us to stay committed this season to loving people and using things. In Jesus' name, amen.